Hey you guys, look, I know I'm just the dude that carries the bags, but it seems to me we all play an important part in this group. I mean, we're just like a big, delicious banana split. Fred, you're the big banana. Daphne, you're the pastrami and bubblegum flavored ice cream. And Velma, you're the sweet and sour mustard sauce that goes on top. Hello and welcome to episode 528 of Under the Cull of MS. This is a Tuesday Comics episode. As a little quote from Shaggy Rogers from Scooby-Doo the movie. Scooby-Doo. Got a nice little stack of comics here to talk about. I'm going through some older comics lately. Let me get my stand set up here so I can have my hands free to hold on to the comics as I... Check them out and review them. I picked up a free comic book day book that I don't think I've seen, which I don't remember after reading it, that it was something I had before. It's Gronk, a monster story from Action Lab. The cover says, hi, I'm Gronk. Do you like kitties? Like as pets, not to eat. I'm not that kind of monster. (laughs) but uh they give you a little story about this Gronk character which is a tiny monster in a big monster's world and he becomes friends with a gal and her cat and gets to go live with her and stuff for a while and you get to see him dealing with the big monsters and how they pick on him and how he says he learned how to bake desserts and how the monsters fell in love with him for a while and then they hated him and then they teased him picked on it's an interesting story uh gronk is a young monster who has turned her oh who has turned her back on the ways of monsterdom mostly because she was just too darn adorable to be scary she finds the human world fascinating and is curious about everything and then you got Dale Wilco, who works out of her house in a rural area of British Columbia. She's a creative person at heart, and her loner lifestyle is thrown into a loop when a little green monster shows up in her life. Yeah, take a drink here. My throat's already raspy starting out. <clears throat> so if you got it, drink it. There's Harley, who's Dale's 160-pound Newfoundland, lovable and easily manipulated when offered pizza. Dale thinks that Harley is large enough to be counted as a living, as living with an actual person and may have tried to write her off on as a dependent on her taxes. Then there's Kitty, a cute fuzzy furball who can turn from ball of energy into a lazy lump in 0.0003 seconds. Basically, typically a cat. Typical cat. And then there's Kitte, K-I-T-T-E-H, which is Gronk's plush kitty. But yeah, this is interesting, fun little, I assume, all ages story. But 
of course, it's just a teaser and they get it gets cut off. And then there's a second story in here, which they, I didn't. Okay, it is on the cover. They do have the name of it at least, but I wasn't looking in that, at that. I was thinking this whole whole free comic was going to be just Gronk. But they had a story about Hero Cats of Stellar City, which is an interesting look at a variety of cats that apparently are aliens, came from space, and they're dealing with a human's cat who eventually finds out that it's humans got superpowers and could possibly be or not be an evil villain. But they have to find out. And the story, of course, leaves you hanging and just gives you a little teaser. But it was enjoyable to read, so I'm glad I checked that out. At least made me understand whether or not I want either of those storylines in the future if I come across them in a bargain box or something. Then we checked out Hulk, number 10. I bought it because this awesome variant cover. And in here, we see Hulk. Kind of has banner brain, Hulk body. And he's got himself a little girlfriend. And they're about to get married. Her name is Jarella. And she gets stolen by some giant entity that gives Hulk an option to bring her back and anybody else's significant other back if they win a match against his team of warriors and Hulk happens to... I don't know how the time travel exactly works because... It's not like Hulk is causing the time travel. I think the menace that stole Jarella is uh, controlling it all. But Hulk goes to Silver Surfer, but ends up being at the time where Silver Surfer is losing uh, Shalbala. And so Hulk and Surfer... Hulk knows Surfer, but Surfer don't know Hulk. <laughs> Speaking like Hulk. Uh, but he makes a deal with Surfer that if you come with me and we win this battle, you'll get Shalbala back. Uh, he'll resurrect or bring back anybody. And then we also find out that Namor, Hulk goes to get Namor as one of his teammates. And it just so happens to be at the time that Namor loses Lady Dorma, she dies. So Hulk explains everything after they start to fight, of course, because Namor doesn't recognize Hulk, doesn't know who Hulk is from that timeline. So that messes with everything. But eventually they deal with their things and work things out. And we also get the Sorcerer Supreme who also has lost Clea and we, uh, Clea, we, uh, we, uh, get to see these four join forces to go battle against the characters that the collector has put together. 
for this entity to have a team, and they call themselves the Offenders. They consist of Baron Mordo, Terax, Tiger Shark, and the Red Hulk. So it's an interesting storyline. I want to see more of it. And this is the beginning of the storyline. So I'm going to have to find the rest of them. This was Jeff Loeb, Ed McGinnis, and Dexter Vines era. I'm trying to find. It's not going to give me. Okay, there it is. Looks like this is number 10 from April of 2009. So it doesn't give me a volume to go off of. But at least I got to look for 2009, 2010 run of those comics and see if I can finish that storyline off somewhere. See what I can come up with. And then we got from DC Comics Just Imagine Stan Lee's Green Lantern Hi True Believers I want to emphasize that this project is intended as a heartfelt tribute to the talented artists and writers who have created DC's greatest heroes. Anybody can come along later on, after the hard work has been done, and write a different version of some famous feature. Please don't think for one minute that this is an attempt to improve on any of the truly great characters that have become legendary throughout the world. The new versions in this series are merely a fun exercise, a chance to work with some of the best artists in comicdom, a chance no writer could refuse. So I hope you enjoy this somewhat different look at a few of your favorite heroes, and remember, the version you're about to read owes its very existence to the true masterworks that came before it. Uh, I thought it was going to give us a little synopsis in there, but apparently not. We get this interesting wizardish character that's trying to... Well, he sends a group of outlawish shitheads to retrieve something from what should be an area that, according to all books and legends relate to the tree of life and they go and they hunt for this item that they don't know of what they're searching for for this entity and while they do it they're killing animals they're killing people they're just being a bunch of shitheads and at the same time we see a professor of archaeology and a student that He's kind of flirting with along the way, which a lot of things in this book I don't think would fly this day age, but I think they'd write it completely differently, but he's got a thing for her. She follows him on his search for the tree of life after he finds out some more information and goes off to whatever country it was. I can't remember what country they go to. But I think it's Central Africa because of the animals and everything. But at the same time, she ends up following him 
hooks up with him. They go and do their thing. He gets shot and killed when he gets found out by the other group of idiots. And we find out she's got a link to the that group of idiots also. And when he gets shot and killed, he falls into this green mist in the kind of like a quicksand type sludge. And the sludge kind of like forms around him. And eventually he becomes the Green Lantern where his whole body turns green and he's got Green Lantern ability and the power of the Tree of Life and all this inside of him. And he goes off and does his heroics and you get to see what happens along the way. We even have like a kaiju event in here and stuff. And yeah, it was a enjoyable story to an extent. Some, I mean, the group of jackasses just have their annoying parts and stuff that, but you got to have the shit head side of the story to go with the good side of the story otherwise it wouldn't be much of a story if it was just all good so gotta have the good with the bad but i like those just imagine books it's fun seeing a little twist on the characters and stuff like that how they could have come out in the long run then next up we go back to i believe the 80s or 1979, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 38. Mayhem is the man called Morbius, Curse of the Living Vampire. They got a few kids out and about at night, riding their bikes. The muscled-up kid is... Again, hitting on the girl beyond what he should be and just being a regular jackass. And, of course, the girl brought the goofy friend along that gets picked on and pushed down and beat on and all that stuff. And Morbius comes along with his bloodlust. And instead of going after the shithead boy, he just goes right for the pretty girl. (laughs) Gotta suck her blood. Suck her dry. And, of course, the muscular jack kid cowers in the corner. Gets all scared while the goofy sidekick ends up jumping in to try and save her. Things happen along the way. And then then we cross over to the Peter Parker side of the story. And we get in, introduced to one electrified character that dealt with Spidey in the past in the subways. And at the same time, Spidey dealing with girlfriend issues, and girl problems and all that. And then they have a school costume party event and Peter's kind of lost it. Kind of got, got a little attitude thing going from lack of sleep and everything that's happening around him. And decides to go to the party and the party ends up having a moment where Morbius crashes it and steals another girl. It's like why Morbius is going after these young girls. 
other than perversion <laughs> or whatever. It's like he could be going after homeless people. He could be eating animals, all that stuff. But instead he's going after young girls instead of going after baddies and all that stuff and just gang bangers or whatever. It's just it's like focus Morbius. Just try to depict yourself as a decent person, but your humanity sucks. <laughs> But at the costume party, we also learn about another character that may have powers that we're going to learn about eventually. And I don't know if this is his coming out issue or not. The reason I bought this was it was in the bargain bin. for, and It had Morbius on the cover. So. But we actually find a way that Morbius could possibly be cured if they tried certain things. And at the same time, we're dealing with this new character and his powers and things that are happening around him and his family. And yeah, it was another enjoyable Morbius storyline. It was kind of like a complete story by itself. So I don't have to find other issues around it. But I want to know what happens with this newer character. And where he's going to end up. And what he's going to be. And I think the one in the alleyway I thought was like electrode. But I don't think so. Because he had the electricity coming out of his hands. I think they gave him a, a different name. But. Next up, we got Scooby-Doo Harvey Classics, number one, from Hanna-Barbera. These are fun, as usual, but I don't remember Scooby talking so human. I thought he... I thought he always had his Scooby speech... But in all these little short stories, which are all nice, short, complete stories, uh, Scooby happens to just talk human. And Scooby is the main solver of all these mysteries. But he's got Scooby and the Nerzosaurus, which happens to be an archaeological dig style one where Scooby finds a bone which leads to tons more bones which leads to a possible new dinosaur and they uh, put the bones together and figure things out and, and you got the ghost went west which is a wild wild west style storyline with a, a gunslinging ghost that's involved in this one. And then we go to got a bunch of advertisements there. Hassle in the castle where Scooby and Shaggy happen to find out that Shaggy's got a relative that a rich relative in a castle and they're going to check it out and see what's up with it. And you can just imagine what happens in there and poor Scooby in the castle and there's a coffin that he has a key to in the basement and all that stuff. So yeah, that was 
That was a fun group of stories. And then we also got Scooby-Doo Big Book, Harvey Classics number one from Hanna-Barbera. And this one, you got High Spy, where they get into a whole spy storyline where Daphne's going to see a relative of hers, and she wants to... She kind of gets knocked out, and this spy character has a gun that allows him to change into other characters, and he changes into Daphne and sneaks his way in. And you got to read it to see what happens along the way. Uh, You got Mummy's Little Helper, which they go to, like, Egypt and end up dealing with a mummy's tomb and what they find along the way is always interesting, including Scooby found some of the mummy's treasure in there and then we got granny's night out where they're cruising along and they want some there's a thunderstorm rolling in and they want to find a place to shack up get something to eat drink and while they do they come across this little old lady that happens to have a ghost in her house and they escape the house and she goes with them and Scooby's like, isn't anybody paying attention? Why is this lady doing all this stuff with her finger and flying around and all this stuff and turning into ghost form? And then you find out that basically she's a witch <laughs> And they go gambling and all that stuff. And it's just a fun little story of what all happens along the way. When you're driving around with a witch in your vehicle and going to the casinos. Uh, Next story was It's Dynamite. In this one... They have to search down a hotel while they're in the hotel sleeping taking a break some bad guys sneak into their van fill it full of explosives and they get sent off they're going to visit well they they get a letter that sends them to fort rocks parody on fort knox and when they do the bad guys call in and say hey if you don't fill their van with gold we're going to blow the whole place up. We loaded their vehicle with explosives already. And it's just another fun, interesting little twist on a story. And then they have the wishing well where they run into an old house and a old couple come out of the house. And Scooby's like, did anybody notice that they walked right through those cobwebs without knocking the cobwebs down. And, uh, basically, if you take a drink of water from this well and make a wish, your wish will come true. But you'll only get one wish, and that wish can't be reversed. And you get to see how Scooby saves it in the end if you read the story. But the interesting part about these were both that 
uh, Scooby speaks like a human, even though it's word balloons, but once in a while he'll speak normal without the word, without the thought balloon. It's an actual word balloon. And that Scooby solves most of these crimes. And one thing I noticed in one of these, I can't, I was hoping to find which issue it was from, but one of these issues, the story in the middle, Fred was called Mark. So I don't know if that was a misprint or the writer just screwed up or they're just playing around. But I'm like, well, this has to be something special because they screwed up Fred's name. And so, yeah, all those little twists, being used to all the newer Scooby-Doo books. It's like, I enjoy reading it this way because it's easier to read Scooby speak without having the Ruby Roo, Ruby Roo, all that stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was fun, but I that Mark thing just threw me out of whack during that whole story. And then I realized that's they're calling Fred Mark. Why are they doing that? And then next up, we got Shirt Bear Shirtless Bear Fighter 2, Volume 2, number seven. It's shirtless versus the bear god Ursa Major in a heart-racing, cry-laughing, extra-length finale you have to see to believe. Warning, this comic best reads shirtless. Uh, yeah, we get to see the battle of the bears, pigs, bats, shirtless characters. We got shirtless from different dimensions. We got the cops. We got all kinds of the fuzz. <laughs> uh, all kinds of interesting Characters in here, uh, big battle between the giant Ursa character and shirtless in here. A great battle ending issue. I don't know. Is this the last issue though? I, I would think they'd want to round it out with number eight, but this could be the last one. We will have to see. But definitely worth reading. Wonderful run. Check it out. Check the first run out. Check them all out. They were a blast. And speaking of blast, one of my favorite new comics out there at the moment is Sweetie Candy Vigilante, number four from Dynamite Comics. Writer Suzanne Kelfiero. Artist Jeff Zornow. It's done by Dynamite Comics. This issue is a real jawbreaker. Just saying. Pop, pop. It's all going down the hatch. Issue number four. Lost Cherry. It's Pixie's first day in the weapons room at the Candy Vigilante Factory. Time to get schooled in the fine art of sugar-fueled firepower. Sweetie unveils the jawbreaker. Her signature weapon. Developed for overly chatty bad eggs. And things get explosive for Mr. Uh-oh and Mr. Oh. Not a couple of dummies with rotten DNA who aren't having a very good day. A mysterious magical confectionery potion called Lost Cherry is introduced. 
and Candy Wolf drops sweet knowledge on Pixie about supernaturals and immortal beings. Meanwhile, if you think bringing a gun to an axe fight is a good idea, think again. Sweetie's immortal allies, witch-hunting duo assassins, Hansel and Gretel, come prepared. Will it be a bad decision for Scurvy, the former proprietor of the ice cream bunny? Will the low-life crime syndicate syndicate soldier remain sweet-tempered or lose his head and his bar in the process? Just saying, pa-pop! Get ready to raise a glass and kick some ass. It's all going down the hatch in Sweetie Candy Vigilante number four, Lost Cherry. This story, this series, everything about it is so much fun. A fun new little twist on the whole... The whole... Oh, Fable style candy world. Yeah. This, I hope, is going on for a while. We will see, but I will keep following it. But I see I am running out of time, so be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Kick you out of the monster. Keep following Under the Color of MS, audio, video, YouTube. Got Crimson Color Comic Club. We just had our another comic book creator, Troy Dungara, was on our show. So check that out. They'll be out probably tomorrow, if not today. We recorded on Saturday, put it out on like Tuesday or Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday when it comes out. But check that out. It was a lot of fun, and we got lots more fun coming. And we'll get back to you again soon. Bye.